the best, the worst of movies in 2021. This is Geek Confidential. Welcome to the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. It's been a long time since we recorded, but one of my favorite type of podcast episodes, whether it's on Daytime Confidential or on Geek Confidential, is year-end podcasts. I love them. Sometimes my hosts love them. Co-hosts love them. Sometimes my co-hosts hate them. But we are going to be talking about the best and worst of movies in 2021. And because there was a little bit of pre-show discussion as to what is defined as a movie, we will start this out with a definition that it is a movie for theatrical release, which means if it was in a theater, it qualifies. If it was just made for the TV screen, it does not. Joining me today, Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Mo Walker, welcome. <laughs> Glad to be here, Luke. And Dan Pierce. Welcome, Dan. How's it going? Pretty good. So um, we split these up into movies and uh, television episodes. What I actually love is the fact that we're actually able to do a movie episode because last year in 2020, at the end of 2020, with the pandemic raging, movies basically have like dropping out of sight after Feb- like late February of 2020. There wasn't really anything to watch in theaters. And so we didn't really have movie categories on our year-end podcast in 2020. I'm so glad that the vaccines are out that and available. People can have their boosters by now, can be living a little bit of a normal life if they so choose to be able to go out to the theaters. And the other thing is, is that a lot of these studios like Warner Brothers, Disney, have had simultaneous releases where you can choose to either stay at home and watch the movie that's in theaters through their streaming platform, or you can go to the theater. And I've taken advantage of both. Um, so I'm really glad to be talking about movies again. Mel, let's have you kick us off with the best fight or action scene of 2021. What did you pick? Well, my favorite comes from a blockbuster film. It is from The Eternals. I really enjoyed the final fight scene um, in the Eternals film where we finally have all of our Eternals together. You know, they've split off into their own separate teams for a while. But, you know, they come back now because it is now time to defeat the Celestial Tiamat who is now rising from the ocean. There's an active volcano going on and the entire scene was so awesome. You get to see everyone's individual powers, how they actually work against each other, how they don't work against each other. And it was um, definitely a comic that I was not um, familiar with before, but just watching the film, it really helped me kind of learn more and, and watch more things. But the fight scenes were awesome. They did a great job with the special effects. I, The character of Makari, how awesome was her super speed? Like, I just... I have no words for it. it. It was great. It is the one, you know, uh, one of the big standouts for me, definitely, um, in the in the year of 2021, as we were kind of on the men for things. So that was great. Eternals. Wonderful fight scene. I, I loved how they all teamed up and brought down 
their friend that though that like I cheered when the tech guy whose name I do not remember at the moment because I'm so bad with names was like I've been waiting to clip your wings for a very long time loved that Dan what did you have for best fight or action scene of 2021 my uh favorite uh action scene slash best fight scene uh comes from shang chi but it's pretty early in the movie uh it is shang chi versus his sister uh Ling. um i really really liked that fight i think her choreography was fantastic i think the idea of a fight scene where the hero is having to be defensive and has it, the fight scene having so many layers while still highlighting the skill of both fighters was really incredible um, obviously the layer of like, Hey, you left us at home. And, and also the layer of like, Hey, dad liked you best. And then I was stuck with dad who like, was like not into me because I'm a girl. Like there, the, the amount of different layers and her ability to really just hone in that sort of familial rage within just perfect technique. Uh, I, I just, I really appreciated the fight scene. I thought it was super underrated when people were going through the best fight scenes in Shang-Chi. And for me, that was the best action scene of 2021. Mo, how about you? For me, I have to go with uh, a scene from the suicide squad, which is the climactic fight with the, kaiju starro and i have to say that as a as a dc comics fan the notion of seeing starro of all things which is a 60s throwback character a justice league villain of all things featured in a film in a blockbuster film even though it didn't do really well i think that the scene was very cinema cinema uh cinematic i think that it was it was like sort of the the perfect thing of uh you know you have all the members of the suicide squad getting their getting their crap together coming together to fight not only the big kaiju starro um itself but also all of the all of the people that it possessed it was just it was gory it was over the top it was just insane plus throw in you know, the fight in the midst of this between Peacemaker and Bloodsport. It, it was it was just fantastic. Well, we definitely have very specific rules as to the definition of a theatrical movie. We must also remember that this is a Luke Kerr podcast, which means uh, we I, make things up it. as Absolutely we go along. No. So the best fight scene or action scene of 2021 is not just a single scene, but the entire F9 Fast Saga movie. Because every time you turned around, there was an action scene that just had you your jaw dropping. Whether it was one of the landmine um, car chase scenes, whether you're in, I think it was Edinburgh, they were driving down with those magnets, pulling all of those things in, whether or not they were like having a, being shot into space to try and take down satellites. F9 was just an action scene orgasm that it was so much fun. You just sat there and enjoyed it the whole time. So for me, F9, Fast and Furious 9. 
female entertainer of 2021. Dan. Uh, for me, I really enjoyed uh, Zendaya's performance as MJ in Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, I thought she and Tom Holland have such amazing chemistry. She's always really quick-witted and the, her performance really shined through a lot of, you know, in, in a movie that's so cluttered by so many layers of history and tradition and stuff like that. I felt like she was really underrated and was really, really good in her performance. Mo? Um, I'm going to second uh, Dan's nomination for Zadea, not only just for Spider Man No Way Home, uh, again, you know, building building off that chemistry that she has with Tom Holland, but I also want to go with as well Dune, and which she plays Shawnee as well. And you know, she has some great she has some good chemistry with uh, Timothy Chalamet. Looking forward to seeing her in the subsequent Dune movie as well. I mean, she also had she did the voice of Lola Bunny and Space Jam: A New Legacy. You know, granted, film wasn't that great, but you know, she also had that film, and plus, she had a Netflix film. And yes, I know these Netflix films don't count. Uh, they Marie. do. Wait, wait. They do if they were in theaters. <laughs> Red Notice was in theaters. Okay, but I just want to acknowledge that the fact is that, that she she had a big year, just uh, cinematically. She had a huge year, and that's not even talking about her HBO show, which she had a special episode of that as well. So, I mean. Just all around, I think 2021 was definitely the year of Zendaya. Okay. Uh, Mel? It's three for three, baby. I got to go with Zendaya. I don't think there are many other people who had a bigger year than her. Um, my podcast co-hosts have already named off her many, many accomplishments. But, you know, she is a young actress who is really just at the top of her game. If I'm not mistaken, she won the uh, primetime Emmy last year for Best Actress in a Drama for Euphoria. So she's really just been riding that high the whole time. And she really is a great actress. I cannot wait to see the things that are coming for her. But nobody really was bigger than Miss Zendaya in 2021. Well, it's not a four-peat because I chose somebody else. My pick for Female Entertainer of 2021 is Emma Stone from Cruella. She was amazing in that movie. She personified everything that I could ever imagine as a young Cruella, and it was flawless. I I don't buy very many movies on Blu-ray anymore to have the hard copy because you can pretty much find a theatrical release with what on whatever streaming platform you have. But I still bought this movie because I was like, I need to support this because I need another Cruella to come out. And she was flawless. So for me, Emma Stone as Cruella loved it. Male film entertainer of 2021, Mo. For me, it's Daniel Craig. Um, you know, he he only had No Time to Die, which he returned for the his final run as uh, agent in my um yeah, MI5 agent, uh, sorry, MI6 agent James Bond, uh, 007. Well, actually, he was not technically 007 in this film. I think for Daniel Craig, and he, it really showed the arc of his version of James Bond, where his version of Bond came in 
earned the rank of a double O and through his subsequent movies, you know, either, you know, grew in stature, became disillusioned with the Secret Service. Um, and then in this final film, just so the consequences of the lifestyle that he's been leading up to his James Bond's tragic. Well, I really wouldn't say it's tragic, but I think it's a very poetic ending having Daniel Craig's version of Bond die and and sacrificing himself in order for his family to live. I think it 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 does the franchise really well. I think uh, Craig will be remembered for many years to come as one of the best James Bonds ever. Mel? Since you made the rules up as you go along, I'm doing it too. Um, so I kind of have a tie for this one. First, I'm going to go with J.K. Simmons. This man, let me tell you his film and TV credits, okay, for 2021. The Tomorrow War. He voiced the main character in Invincible. He's in Spider-Man. He was in Ghostbusters Afterlife. He's in Being the Ricardos. That man was all over the place in 2021, and he killed every single role. Um, he is definitely someone who is known, I would say, as a character actor. He did not disappoint in 2021. I thought his portrayal coming back as J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man movie, and I think he was in Venom, too, um, a little bit at the end, Um is always fantastic. It is always great to see him. So um, he's my first. And then the second one is Mr. Brian Tyree Henry, who I think has one of the best agents in Hollywood. Um, for 2021, he was in Godzilla vs. Kong. He is was one of the Eternals. He was also in that star-studded Netflix movie, um, Woman in the Window. And he's got more coming for um, the next upcoming year. He is a, a classically trained actor. I think he went to Yale in, in the whole nine yards. So he's fantastic. He's great. I always love to see him. But I got to tie because I make the rules up as I go along. Okay. Okay. Dan, who do you have? Oh, you already know who I have. I have Tom Hardy in Venom Let There Be Carnage. It was the most fun I had at the theater this year. Is just watching him do Eddie Brock and Venom and voicing the just the struggle between the two. And then Venom goes and has his Ferris Bueller's day out and a bunch of people died by accident, but like, and then Eddie's in jail and Eddie has like just this crisis of like, I actually have a responsibility to, here both to the city and to venom. And we need to stop Cletus Cassidy. And Oh my goodness. Throughout the entire time, Tom Hardy's performance continues to impress me. I, I need more of him as Eddie Brock. I'm, I'm really excited that, Venom, Let There Be Carnage ended up being one of the top selling movies in 2021, period, because that gives me hope that we're going to be getting more from the Venom verse aside from uh, Morbius and Craven the Hunter and any other type of, uh, you know, Spider-Man-esque movie that we might be getting uh, now that. You know, there's renewed interest in Sony versions of Spider-Man. Awesome. My male uh, film entertainer of 2021 is also Daniel Craig for all the reasons that Mo said. For me, Daniel Craig is my James Bond. Um, I love it. And this was a complete arc for him. It is really sad to see him putting up his um, 
tuxedo, shall we say, and holstering the gun um, in the role. I wasn't necessarily too happy with how the movie ended per se, because even though I understand stood why they did it, I would have much preferred to have imagined him safely in retirement. Um, so Daniel Craig as James Bond is my male entertainer of 2021. Now, we have the supporting entertainer, male or female, of 2021. Who did you have, Mel? Um, I've got another young one. This one actually is actually a former soap actress. Um, I have Miss McKenna Grace um, from Ghostbusters Afterlife. She was the youngin' um, who was the granddaughter of our missing Egon, right? Of Egon! Um, I thought she was really great in that role. Um, she was also in a horror film that I enjoyed. It was corny and it was great. Um, Malignant, she did a really great job there too. So uh, a good up-and-coming young actress. She was Faith on The Young and the Restless for a long time. So I am super proud of her. Dan? Uh, for me, I would have to say, and this might be a bit of a spoilery pick, uh, but Andrew Garfield. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Um, Andrew Garfield as, you know, his version of Peter Parker, he, like, getting to see, like, so, uh, and this is, this is a little bit of, like, into me. I haven't seen the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. The closest I came to was a mute viewing on a plane from L.A. to Chicago as I was podcast editing on the plane. So I didn't really get a good sense of those movies per se. So to get to see the culmination of like the emotional crux of these movies and getting to see him save MJ in a way that he didn't get to save Gwen and only hearing about it is like it it hits you a little differently because you want to go back and you want to dissect these movies and get to see some of the villains that haven't been explored in other movies, such as the lizard and Kirk Connors, such as, you know, electro or rhino, you know, people like that, that I'm really interested in exploring in a deeper sense. And I'm hoping uh, and according to the rumors, there may be some truth to this. You know, there's some renewed interest there in future Spider-Man appearances. Mo, for me, I'm going to go with uh, Florence Pugh. Uh, she showed up in uh, Black Widow as Yelena Bella B- Belova, uh, the sibling of uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, and she subsequently showed up, reprised the role in the Hawkeye series. For me, uh, Florence Pugh, you know, I've I remember her in Little Women, uh, a, a British show, uh, The Little Drummer Girl. I think she is definitely an up and comer. I think in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of Yelena. I think the, the character has a, a lot of great chemistry with, with and she plays off whether it's the Black Widows whether it's either one of the Hawkeyes, whether, you know, it's her quote-unquote parents in the Black Widow film, I think, plus she has this sort of really dark, snarky humor. I think Florence Florence Pugh, you know, hopefully she deserves her own 
um, MCU film at some point, and, and hopefully she'll get that. So I, I, for me, I have to go with Florence Pugh. So she was going to be my, my choice as well, except for I don't want to have two categories in a row where I'm identical to Mo. So I'm going to mix things up and go and um, do my runner up, which is Aquafina in Shang-Chi uh, the t- and The Legends of the Ten Rings. She is so hilarious. She does comedy so well. And then to see her also be able to dip her toe into action, I loved it. She was a standout for me. Um, I do think that Florence Pugh was fantastic. I even loved her more in Hawkeye than I did in the Black Widow movies. But both of those two did had bang-up years. Uh, brings us to the worst movie of 2021. Dan, I think that's your turn to start. Man, Space Jam: A New Legacy was awful. I like, I, you know, full disclosure: Chicagoland native, Chicago Bulls fan. MJ is always going to be the goat. The idea of doing another Space Jam, okay, fine, I get it. It makes sense. Let's give it a shot. I'm going to try and go in with an open mind, uh, as much as I can. And I wanted this movie to be good. I really liked the characterization that the other movies did with the other Looney Tunes and getting to sort of explore like, oh, Bugs and Daffy and all of the. But in reality, this one just highlighted Warner properties like this was more into like, oh, man, did you see Harry Potter world? Oh, man, did you see Game of Thrones over there? Did you see the Matrix over here? Oh, man, wasn't it cool when Granny was doing the Matrix? No, I'm not. I'm not into this. I like I appreciate some of the actors that they use. Like I'm a huge Don Cheadle fan. Zendaya, who we've talked about before, voicing Lola Bunny. Like that's pretty cool. I you know, some of the uh, NBA and WNBA cameos are pretty awesome. But I just I was not into this movie whatsoever. It was a it was a bad movie from start to finish. And that's a shame because I ended up having to watch it twice. And so I like I it's not out of a lack of trying. This is just a bad movie. Mo. For me, I have to go with the Hugh Jackman thud uh, reminiscence. Yeah, I expected a bit more with this film. Uh, You know, I have to say that Hugh Jackman for me, outside of X-Men films and musical are really hit and miss. Um, I expected a bit more because of the pedigree of the film. You have the creators behind uh, Westworld working on this, but it just the whether it was the plot, whether it was the mechanism, the device for him sort of remembering and piecing together uh, memories and so forth. It just felt like it's been treaded ground. There was nothing really new, no real twist that I thought. And it just, in my personal opinion, I feel like people were just kind of phoning in. I'm going to jump in here uh, before going to Mel because it was also my pick for worst movie. You are absolutely right. Uh, Hugh Jackman, outside of Wolverine musicals, has, like, I feel like his agent is terrible at providing him scripts for movies. Because for every, like, swordfish that I really enjoyed, 
there's a reminiscence which is really terrible. And so it's like, why can't he have a more consistent run of movies outside of Wolverine? It was it was terrible. The movie went nowhere. The plot was like, what the? And it like you just felt like you wasted an hour or two on a film that could have, in theory, had so much potential if they would have actually taken it there, but they didn't. And it became ugh, it was a mess. Uh, Mel, what did you have for worst movie of 2021? The Matrix Resurrections. They no. should have just left it dead. They they really should have because it, it was a completely unnecessary film. It, it's almost like they wanted to undo everything that we've already done here because, you know, oh, it's a glitch in the Matrix and now we're repeating the moment that uh, Trinity and Neo met and it's a problem and blah, blah, blah. And Lawrence Fishburne, I don't know what happened there. He's not in the film, so now we've replaced his character of Morpheus with the delectable uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, who I love all of the time, and you would never hear me say I don't love him, but this was not his film, okay? I didn't like his portrayal of Morpheus. I didn't like anything about it. They could have kept all of that. Then, you know, they brought back um, Jada Pinkett Smith as... um, Niobe and her character is age and all kind of other nonsense that happened in the real world. It uh, it was so convoluted. And we just, we didn't need it. My advice to anyone who is saying, hmm, maybe I should watch this, just go turn on that movie from 1999. You don't need this one. Pretend I haven't watched it yet, and I Ugh. need to, and I plan on it because I, I can't help it. It's just that there's been a crap load of stuff going on over the holidays, so I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Mm-mm. You can save your time and oh. go watch something else because this is not it. Uh, best non-superhero movie, Mo. Um, so this was a tough category for me, so I'm going, I'm going to have a tie. I'm going to use the tie card in this for the first half of the year. I would it's for me, it's uh, Godzilla versus Kong. That movie really snuck up on me. I wasn't sure what to expect. I decided I watched it at home on HBO max and you know, I, I was really pumped by the end of the film. You know, I wasn't overly invested in the human subplots, but it's just the throwdowns between Godzilla and Kong and literally you have Kong leaping in the air dodging like a atomic blast from from Godzilla and it's hilarious it is hilarious it is essentially the equivalent of Batman v Superman to you know down to when you literally have Godzilla and Kong after they you know work out their their differences, you know, as, you know, CGI characters really can do. And then they team up to take on Mecha Godzilla. It was just a fun movie. Now, for the second half of uh, 2021, my, my uh, best non-superhero film had to be No Time to Die. Again, as I previously said, I think it was a great final outing for Daniel Craig. Again, the Bond villain in and of itself was, I would say, was the weakest leg of that. But oh, there, there were some appropriation issues with that element of it. Yeah, it really and again, made me uncomfortable walking out of there. 
Yeah, and so 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 I mean, if you literally, I mean, like you you can say you've got you got essentially two different villains. You had Blofeld and 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 um and then the other villain, and it's just, I mean, honestly, it was more of a psychological film than anything else. Again, with Daniel Craig's Bond dealing with his with his more uh, mortality and the consequences of the double O lifestyle. Uh, Mel, I was trying to think of what I had the order of everybody in. My best non-superhero movie is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, for me, this is proof that fan service is not a bad thing, okay? Um, I really, really enjoyed seeing the old Ghostbusters back uh, doing their thing, busting ghosts. But I like the origin story of, you know, we have a Ghostbuster who has gone on, Egon, um, Harold Ramis has passed away. So his family is now moving into his house and he left all these clues for them. And I love how they tied things back to the original first two Ghostbusters movies. And it was a really strong young cast. And it was just a fun adventure, a nice wink and a nudge, nostalgia all over the place. Very, very enjoyable film. I I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Dan? Uh, for me, it was No Time to Die. I, I don't have a ton to add uh, that you guys haven't already uh, talked about. I, I've always really liked James Bond. Um, I was a little sad about the ending, but I also understood it. Um, and to be honest, Daniel Craig Bond stuff for me has been a little all over the place in terms of plot just because like uh casino royale is supposed to be a prequel because that's ian fleming's first book so when they started going like when they killed m i was just like in um in skyfall i was just kind of like uh this totally breaks everything about these Daniel Craig movies. I'm kind of confused. And then it just, they tried to tie, like they tied the other ones sort of together. Um, but for me, it had already sort of broken. Uh, but I, I still enjoyed all of the, the movies, some more than others. Um, and yeah, Quantum there's obviously problems. Was my only here. one that I'm sorry. Quantum of solace was my only one that I disliked. That one. I can say I didn't like, I liked yeah, him I, as bond, but I did not like the movie. I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I just, for me, he's a, he's a fine bond. He's a good bond. Um, he's not in my top three, but he's, he's a good bond. Um, that it, it doesn't make his movies, uh, less good. And I'm excited to see where the franchise goes from here. My, um, best movie of 2021 was Dune. Um, as someone who was terrified by the TV movie, the villain, the spice villain, whose name I don't remember off the top of my head, was terrified of that character when I first watched it. I was like, I'm nervous about this, but the trailers looked amazing. And when I got to sit down and watch that, I was stunned by how the, the cinematography was amazing. The acting was wonderful. I'm invested in these characters. I'm invested in the story. I'm so happy that another one is being developed. So for me, the best non-superhero movie was Dune, which then leads us to the best superhero movie of 2021. Dan. 
Uh, for me, the best superhero movie of 2021 is Spider-Man No Way Home. I was so pumped for this movie, and it delivered on every level. You want to see the Spider-Man back? You got it. You want to see Charlie Cox's Daredevil in a little cameo? You got it. You want to see the culmination of the previous two Spider-Man Tom Holland movies? You got it. You want to see the most iconic villains of the Spider-Man movie franchise over the last 20 years? You got that too. It delivered on every single level with some of the strongest writing that Marvel has pulled off. And guess what? They might not be done. It's fantastic. And I highly encourage you, if you haven't already gone and see it, if it is safe in your area, definitely go try and uh, catch a viewing. Mo? (laughs) I I second what Dan just said about uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, wow. I knew that this was going to be easily one of the movies that I look forward to this year, of this past year in 2021. However, just the epic scale is what Dan said so eloquently about how much it gives you, whether it's you're an MCU fan, um, whether if you're the Netflix MCU fan, whether if you a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man fan or Andrew Garfield Spider-Man fan, It gives you everything. This was the Lord of the Rings of Spider-Man movies. I mean, this thing went on and on and on, but in a very good way. And and certainly it was one of those where you did not want to miss a second because you didn't know what the twists were going to be because it twisted the Spider-Man mythology, whether it was from the comics or the previous Spider-Man films. I, I I really hope that we get another Tom Holland solo Spider-Man film because I kind of want to see what is the aftermath of this status quo change. I mean, it it's a brilliant Marvel film. Mo, we got to take him to Empire State University. We got to get that <laughs> casted here. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the thing is, is like, and like Luke said earlier, like. I don't buy a lot of movies on Blu-ray anymore. and But definitely, this is going to be one of the ones I, I get on Blu-ray. One, because there's no reason for me to go back to the theaters to see this when the Blu-ray will be coming soon. Plus, it's not going to be streaming anytime soon. Okay. Mel, what did you have for your best superhero film of 2021? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Y'all. It cannot be any other film than Spider-Man No Way Home. For every reason my fellow podcast co-hosts have listed, it was absolutely phenomenal. If you really think about it, we we tied in every live-action Spider-Man movie there's been since the 2000s, the early 2000s, 20 years, and they did a fantastic job. I have to because no one's talked about it yet, Willem Dafoe yes. as Norman Osborn? Oh my God. You want to talk about a thespian? That man acted his ass off in that film. It was amazing. He was always great in that role. But just to see him 20 years later pick up where he left off, 
like it's been nothing, like it was yesterday, and elevate his performance. Yeah, it is great. Um, I, I don't really have. I, I I can't think of anything. It's amazing. That film's amazing. Well, this is a four peat. Uh, mine is also Spider Man: uh, No Way Home. I it was stunning. Spider Man is not my favorite Marvel character. In fact, um, I don't really read the comics. I do like Miles Morales, but Peter Parker for me is oftentimes an annoying character up until Tom Holland's portrayal. I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. But this movie was basically um, the Infinity Gauntlet for Spider-Man. And it brought everybody in. And it... The only thing it was missing was like, and maybe I missed it is in one of the flashes when we were dealing with the um, different realities, but I was like, it would have been hilarious if there would have been an animated Miles Morales like cameo somewhere in one of the flashes. I thought that would have been fun. I was sort of hoping for it, but I guess at the same time, it also leaves the opening for Miles Morales in the future. I loved Benedict Cumberpatch as Doctor Strange and Peter Parker's dynamic. It's very Tony and Peter, but wi- but Doctor Strange is more cynical. I loved that dynamic and everything that they were going through. I was really sad about Aunt May, um, but Mel mentioned uh, William Defoe. Yes, it was fantastic. And the fact that Charlie Cox, which Dan touched on, like there was some teasing of him prior, just right prior to the movie's um, premiere. There was some teasing of him being in the universe as Daredevil, but we didn't know if it would actually be in the film. I got chills. I got chills. I love the fact that Disney is incorporating the best elements of the former Netflix Marvel series into the cinematic universe. And the fact that we have Kingpin over on Hawkeye at the same time that we have Daredevil in the Spider-Man movie, I am so happy that those two characters made it into officially into the cinematic universe. It was a standout movie. Zero complaints. I loved it from beginning to end. I was not a, and this is uh, probably sacrilege for some people, Tobey Maguire is Spider uh, Peter Parker fan. <gasps> I, I did like- And that's the end of the podcast, ladies I and did, gentlemen. I yep. did like Andrew it's Garfield. It's been great here at Geek Confidential, guys. We love y'all so much. Please come back in 2022. <laughs> I did, I did uh, enjoy Andrew Garfield in the first of his movies, but I didn't watch the second one. Um, but- I loved the elements that those two brought in as the veteran Peter Parkers. I thought that how they did that and made them each overcome their own issues or provide their own experience to Tom Holland's Peter Parker was so well done. I loved it. So I'll make it a four-peat. You can come in on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. We also have a Facebook group uh, where we discuss various geeky stories, and Mo posts a lot of stuff in there. Thank you, Mo. You can find Mo on Twitter at 
Dr. Mo 77, correct? It's been yeah. a while since I've done this. Dan <laughs> is at the real Dan Pierce on Twitter. Mel is at Melody Akles, and I'm at Luke underscore Kerr. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Up as we go. <laughs> now you shouldn't be taking away Mel's singing.